Before we jump in, have a quick thing. We don't make much in the way of announcements here. Um, they try to put them in a worship folder or different places. But um, when they pertain to everybody or potentially everybody, we do that. So I am going to make one that it kind of pertains to not everybody, but the hope is that it will eventually pertain to everybody. And that's membership at Journey North Church. This is January, which means um, I have my giant thing here. Um, here's what, before I do that, here's what we have. Um, in that in that room, before you go out that exit, there's a room to the left, and there's one of there's two giant things on the wall that look like this, and then there are four sheets that look like this. If you are a member of Journey North Church, what that means is you've gone through Class 101, you have turned in your testimony, uh, you've met like between the services with the, the leadership with the elders or whatever, and you become a member. You've signed the membership covenant, then you're a member, but it's a one year commitment. So if you are a member, your name should be on one of these four pages back there. And if you, I'm going to just read this. A member is someone who has completed class 101, written out their testimony, and met with the elders. If that's you, and your name is not on this list, add it to this list with your contact info, and we'll figure out what's wrong. So not that I would ever make a mistake, but you just know sometimes it happens. Um, because remember, membership here is a one-year commitment. That means every year you're going to do this. You're going to review this. This is our membership commitment. It's, it's a covenant. Here's what we believe here. We believe that you don't get better and better and better and better and make a commitment. We believe you make a commitment and then you grow into your commitment. Here's a perfect example of that. 36 years ago, 30-some years ago, I stood with Julie and I made a commitment. I had no idea. I knew nothing. I have grown into that commitment. We believe that's the same with most commitments. You don't have to know everything before you commit to Jesus. You commit to Jesus and you grow into that commitment. It's the same with membership. So very quickly, if you want to know what members have committed to in order to be members here, um, here's what they've committed to. They have committed to safeguard the unity of the church by acting in love toward others, lovingly submit to, support, and follow the leadership God has appointed. They have committed to share the responsibility of this church by inviting newcomers, welcoming guests, generously and joyfully giving of my resources, that's tithing, and my time serving. And that means serving in the ministry of the church by discovering and using my shape, my spiritual gift, heart, abilities, personality, and experience to help build the body of Christ and to reach other people for Jesus Christ. And then the fourth thing is to support the testimony of my church by regularly attending, living by grace through faith, a life that is pleasing to God and in harmony with the Bible and praying for the health and growth of our church. That's what we commit to. Are we flawless in that? Probably not. But we commit to that and we strive to reach that. And so it ends with, I understand that membership is one year commitment every year. Members who are actively serving at Journey North and are with God's help and for his glory abiding by the membership covenant, they may renew their membership. That's how it works here. So if you say, well, I'd be interested in doing that, or at least finding out more, we will be having um, another in the next month or two, another class 101. And you can come to that. You don't have to join if you go to the class, but you have to go to the class to join. Does that make sense? So if you're a member and you're committing to this, again, make your way sometime, not right now, Sometime between now and the um, annual meeting, which will be Sunday the 26th here at 1145, um, 
to be able to do that and sign that. I'm putting that there because I think that's all I have to do with that right now. I just, I just can't remember. Um, we're in a series, and it's called You Think. And one of the reasons for that is because it's about how important the things we think are and how they can change everything. Um, we're going to be in Philippians 4, at least uh, for, for part of it, we're going to be in Philippians 4. But um, how many of you would be bold enough to, to say you, you'd admit you've ever noticed that maybe sometimes we can behave irrationally? Make decisions that make no sense. Can I see hands of those people who have done it? Okay, keep your hands up. Look around for the ones who aren't, don't have their hands up. Uh, they're just polishing their halos. They're perfect. They're not who we're talking to today, okay? So they can relax. We're talking to the ones who have made those decisions and afterwards it's like, why did I do that, okay? Like a lot of different things, some big and some little. Like for instance, um, you're, maybe it's the new year and you're going to eat better. So, I think this is fascinating because today this almost happened. You decide, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to eat better. And so for two days, you do that. And then on the third day, there's a donut sitting there. It's like, it won't hurt if I have a bite. And a bite becomes a half a dozen. And then you make a trip to mom's parkside because she's got these giant cinnamon rolls that are so good. You know, I've already had a half a donut. I might as well have everything. And then afterwards, it's like, why did I do that? You know? Or maybe students. M- many of you have probably been in this. You're a student and you got a big test tomorrow. You got some big coming up. You want to make sure you study and you get plenty of sleep. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, you realize I've been playing Fortnite for four hours. And I have a big test tomorrow. And the next day, you realize that was not a good decision. Or maybe you're, you're trying to finally get out of debt. You want to be debt-free so that you can have a better lifestyle, so that you can be able to give, so that you can do the things and have the freedom that you want to have. And so you're struggling and you're working real hard and you're finally starting to get out of debt. And then something unexpectedly major breaks. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so what do we do? We get online, we go to Amazon, and we find something to buy because it makes us feel better. (laughs) And we get something until after the bill comes, and then it's like, why did I do that? It just made it worse. And just to make sure I've stepped on everybody's toes today, maybe you're the one, you're dating a non-Christian guy. And in your head, you're thinking, this hasn't worked the last five times. But it's going to this time. And you make that decision. And later on, it's like, why did I do that? Why do we behave irrationally? Why do we do that? Let me tell you a story that I th- for me, it helps. Julie and I, this was a long time ago. So you know it's over 30-some years ago. We were engaged. We weren't married yet. It actually happened during that time period. Um, I had this little car, got great gas mileage, but it was little, you know, teeny, teeny. And, and Julie's dad was really good at a lot of stuff that my dad wasn't. He was teaching me a lot of stuff, and it was, it was really good. And he said, you know what we should do? We should buy um, a vehicle that's been wrecked and fix it. And... In my thinking, I didn't know what that meant until he explained it to me. It's like, yeah, this is a good idea. And so we bought, I got what what I didn't know at that time would be the closest I ever got to having a new vehicle. I got a Nissan pickup truck, two weeks old, 1,400 miles on it, totaled. Still Still had the new car smell. And blood on the steering wheel was a bad thing. (laughs) But this truck was totaled. 
um, closest I ever got to having anything new. And we spent like 10 hours a day, you know, for 30 days getting this all fixed up and, and got the frame straightened and got new things that we had to get new on it because it was going to be like half of what it would be had I bought it new. And so we decided that we'd put fog lights on it because, you know, it was the 80s and fog lights were cool. And so I'm going to put fog lights on it. And so we got it. It was almost done. It was looking really good. And we just had to test everything. We had gotten the fog lights in, you know, see what's up. And so I'm going to test the fog lights. And so I turn the fog lights on and the fog lights come on. And when I turn the headlights on, the fog lights go off. It's like, wait a minute, that's not supposed to do that. And so we're putzing and we're playing with stuff and, and, and realize that what had happened was that we got some wires crossed and we had the wrong thing plugged into the wrong thing. But that led to a whole bunch of other things because we hadn't tested everything yet. So I got in and I said, we just make sure, you know, you turn the headlights on, now the fog lights work. So just, you know, you test turn signals. So I turn the right turn signal on and the left turn signal's blinking. Go around the back, it's like, well, the right, one, the right one's blinking here, but the left one's blinking up here. So I turn it the other way. And now in the front, the right one's blinking when it should be the left one. And in the back, they're both blinking. It's like, okay, so, something's weird here. And I don't remember what it is. I think we put the flashers on and the brake lights came on. And it was like, oh my goodness, the truck is possessed. Here's what we discovered. Yeah, there had been some wires crossed, you know, and that was our fault. But in the process of straightening the frame and doing all the stuff to it, um, one of the main grounds for it, the electrical ground to the frame, was bad. And I don't understand enough of this to know what in the world was happening, but because there was a bad ground, it went the path of least resistance, and it was a weird path. And you'd do something and weird things would happen. It's like, what is this? That can't just be that it's grounded wrong. And so it took it off, you know, cleaned it up, put, put it on correctly. Everything worked. It was interesting because when we uncrossed the wires and when we grounded to the right thing, things worked like they were supposed to. So why do we behave irrationally? You know what I think? I think we got some wires crossed. I think we're not always grounded to the right thing and we don't even know it. Because it's something, maybe we're grounded to something that's not God's word. And we just don't realize, we've always done it this way. And so we're doing this and we don't realize it's a bad ground and so we make bad decisions and we don't realize it until afterwards. We talked about this last week. Last week, remember, was foundational. If you haven't heard last week's afterwards, go back to journeyinourchurch.com, iloveourchurch.com, whatever. Go to our, our sermons and listen to last week's. Very foundational. We talked about um, neural pathways, remember? Every time you experience something new, your brain creates a neural pathway. It just does this. The experiences we have are wiring and rewiring and programming our brain. That's how it works. They, they, um, here's, a, here's a good example. Um, I'm, a, I'm a grandpa now. I'm papa. I have uh, five grandkids and one on the way. And it's just really, really the, the best time in life. I'm very excited about it. But we have all these little ones around. And you see this. You see, you see a baby smile. And when the baby smiles, what happens? The person that's looking at the baby is like, oh, you know, goo goo gaga. They smile. You know what that does? That, that changes a neural pathway in the baby's brain. When I smile, 
First of all, adults make weird noises. This is cool. And they smile back. And that begins to be wired into it. The baby does, you know, gets a little bit more mobile and touches something they shouldn't, and it's hot. And what happens? Ouch! You know, hot, hot, hot. And they realize because it gets wired in there, hot is bad. Don't do that. Don't touch that thing. Or they get a little older, and now the baby wants a sucker. And it's not time for the sucker. And so the mom says, no. And the baby says, nope, want a sucker. And the mom says, no. And so the baby starts crying. And the mom says, no. And the baby cries louder. And depending on where you're at, the mom says, fine, here's a sucker. (laughs) You have created a neural pathway in the baby's head. When I cry, I get a sucker. Some of you are wondering why your 12-year-olds are so out of control. Now you know. (laughs) We have created these neural pathways. You realize... Regardless of your age, your brain is constantly evolving. They used to think that like at, at, at a certain age, it stopped. And they know that that's not true anymore. It's called neuroplasticity. You can still rewire things. And here's what happens. When you think a thought, the more you think that thought, the easier it is to think again. When you think that, you are creating neural pathways, and it's just like a pathway in the, in the woods. When you walk on it over and over and over, you wear it out, it gets smoother, it gets easier to walk on, and it's easier for us to think those things that we've always thought. That's good news if you're thinking good thoughts and if you're thinking the truth, because it's easier to think it next time. It's kind of bad news if what you're thinking is lies, and what you're thinking is not the truth. Because what you're doing is you're making it easier to think that way next time. And, and many people will say, I've done this my whole life and it's just not going to change. You just created a deeper rut in your path. It can change. Here's the truth. Our minds are a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's where it starts. That's where the battle is won or lost. You can be listening to God's truth about you. And it can change who you are and how you think and how you behave. Or you can listen to the enemy's lies about you. And that can change who you are and how you live and what your life is like. Last week was foundational. As I said, we talked about Paul. And Paul started off saying many of the things we do, like I really want to do this, but I do this, and I don't want to do this, and I end up doing that. And he knew that it was a struggle, and he knew that it was a struggle in the mind, and that there had to be some change. And Paul grew over time to where he got near the end. Well, here's what we read last week. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says this. He's talking about we're here um, in this world, but we don't fight with the same weapons the world does. He says this in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We don't fight our battles the same way they do. He says, on the contrary, the weapons we have have divine power. That's that word dunamis. Remember, we get dynamite. It's just explosive power to do what? To demolish strongholds. Remember what a stronghold is. It's, a, it's like a prison. A strong, when you have a stronghold, you are a prisoner based on a lie of deception, which is why we have the bars up here. Had a few comments last week. It was like, they walked in, it's like, ooh, this is way too familiar for me. <laughs> See all the bars up here? That's okay. It's about being free from that. He says, we have weapons that can demolish those strongholds. 
He says, verse 5, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. All of those thoughts, all of those lies, all of those things that we believe or have been saying to ourselves for years, we demolish those, all of those things that set, set themselves up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. And that's a war term, remember. You're, it's like in a battle, they use a sword and they take a captive. They capture somebody. That's what we do with those thoughts that are wrong. We capture those thoughts and we use a sword. We use a sword of the word of God. Because this is where the truth is in God's word. You're not going to do it with just smart thinking. You're going to do it with the truth. And he says, we capture every thought that way and make it obedient to Christ. <clears throat> So Paul is learning these things. He's growing in this. And um, near the end of his life, he's uh, many times, but near the end, he's chained in prison. He's got a guard on him 24 hours a day. They come in shifts and they get chained to him. And he is just in prison awaiting what he assumes will be execution. And there could be a lot of things that are going through his mind because his, his, one of his main dreams and goals was to be able to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus to the, the, the uppity ups in Rome. And so he's, he, I don't know, in his thinking he's going to go and he's going to have like a big Billy Graham crusade in Rome and he's going to preach and the, the Caesar and everybody there is going to be and they're going to hear it. And he's in prison in Rome. The interesting thing is he got to have influence on that house being there. And many people became Christians because he was in prison there. But he's there and he's writing letters to some of the churches that he had association with and some of them that he started. And he writes this letter to the church at Philippi. It's kind of a heavy letter, but it's very encouraging. And when he writes this letter, he's chained in this prison, sitting on the floor, chained. He doesn't say, I'm so discouraged, will you pray for me? I'm really hurting, things are bad. Would have all been true. I never thought this would happen. Where is God? That's not what he's saying. Because he has allowed God to transform his mind. He doesn't say that. At the end of this letter, he does this Steve Jobs thing. He says, one more thing. And he's going to say one more thing. And he says, don't ever forget this. In Philippians 4.8, he says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. One more thing. Very important. Fix your thoughts. Remember, it's in the mind. That's where it starts. Fix your thoughts on these things. What is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. He says, think about things. And when he says think about things, it's not just passing thought. The word is, you're going to focus on this. You're going to dwell on this. You're going to figure this out. You're going to be right here on these things. He says, think about, dwell on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's saying this from a prison cell because he's learned how important it is to think the right things. I love the message paraphrase of this verse. There's a number of the, of the different uh, the translations that do the same thing, but I love the message in this. It says this, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds, that's putting the right things in, thinking the right thoughts, filling your minds and meditating, because that's what that word means, that dwelling, thinking about things, and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, 
not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. He's saying you'll do best if those are the things you focus on. Why does this matter? Why is it so important that he's telling us this is the one final thing that you need to do? It's because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's why. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what you're becoming. So when you think of the thoughts you're having, think about it this way. Is that the direction that I want to end up? If I'm thinking these negative thoughts, if I'm thinking these critical thoughts, if I'm always critical of other people, if I'm always upset with everything, is that where I, it's only going to get worse? Is that where I want to be? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What comes, what comes into your mind comes out in your life. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't. Because if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. So if we want to have that, we have to go the right direction with our thoughts. Why is it that we so often make these irrational, unwise, and ungodly decisions? It's because our wires are crossed. We're grounded on the wrong thing. That's why we're going to look at two disciplines over the next couple weeks that will help you train your mind because this is so important. We're going to talk about training your minds. You get that you can train your body. What's the date today? The 12th. Most people have already quit on a New Year's resolution about getting in better shape. <laughs> That's, that ship has sailed. But we understand about training our bodies. You know you can also train your mind, not just your body. For your body, what do we do? We exercise and eat right. That's like the key. It's the same for your mind. Exercise it and put the right things in it. That's the same way. We saw this just a minute ago in Philippians 4.8. We're going to talk today about the discipline of meditation because that's what he says. Here's what you meditate on. Here's what you dwell on. Here's what you focus on. And I know the minute I say that, there's people in here, okay, it's this loser, he's gone this new age goofy stuff, you know, one with the universe, you know. We're going to empty our minds and go, Oom. just so that you know, that's not what we're talking about. Here's the definition of meditation. Very simple. The definition of meditation, a very simple definition. To engage in mental exercise. To focus one's thoughts. That's what meditation is. It's a mental exercise and you're focusing your thoughts. You see, Eastern meditation is emptying your mind. Some of you don't do that. It's empty enough already. Just don't do that. This is the opposite of that. This is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind. It's filling your mind with truth. It's not trying to clear everything away. It's trying to put the right stuff in. It's fixing your mind. This is all through Scripture. Dozens of times in Scripture it says this. Focus on this. Focus on this. Think about this. Meditate on this. In Psalm 119 it says this. I meditate on your precepts. He's talking about the law. He's talking about the Word of God. I meditate on this. I, I think about this. I fix my thoughts here. I focus on this. He says, I, I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. There's two tracks here. In Psalm 143, it talks about the second of those. I meditate on all your works. 
And consider what your hands have done. So what we do is we meditate. When we want to meditate on the right things, we focus on God's word and his way and his works in our life. We focus on those things. We meditate on those things. We spend time doing that. It's a discipline just like when we do something to make our body better. It's a discipline that we do. Here's how this works out for me currently. It, it evolves a little and changes as I grow, but here's what's happening at the moment. Every morning I get up in my green chair in the front room, I go in and I sit in that green chair, and, and the first thing I do is I pray. I, first thing I do is I get my coffee, and I sit it next to me. The next thing I do after I sit down is I pray. And the reason I pray is because I want to focus my mind, I want to be thinking about God, I know that He's the one who opens up His Word for me. His spirit living in me is the one who helps me see his word and realize, here's what's for you today, Tim. Here's what you need to do. So I pray. Then I spend time reading God's word. I might be going through a program. I might just be going through a book or whatever. But um, um, I do something to be able to focus on God's word. And I read God's word when I'm done. I have a time of prayer. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm pre- it's pretty important to me the order that I do this prayer thing on because I've learned over the years. Here's what I do. I focus first on God when I'm praying and my gratitude to Him. And it's so easy for me to see how amazing He is, what He's doing in my life. What I'm doing is I'm meditating on His works and on His ways after having spent time in his word. And I focus on those things, and I think about the gratitude that I have. I think about the amazing things he's done, the amazing thing he is. And then I think about other people, and often during that time, you guys will come to mind. I tell many people, they'll say, will you pray for me? And I'll say, here's what I will say. It'd be easy for me to say, yes, I will pray for you, and then realize I forgot and haven't prayed for them for a month. Here's what I do. And you've, many of you have heard me say this. I will pray for you as often as God brings you to mind. And that's what happens. God brings people to mind while I'm sitting there. I'm meditating. I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking about how amazing he is. And he'll bring people to mind. And it's like, I don't know why that name came to mind. It doesn't matter. I pray for them. Many of you get prayed for uh, every morning because God will bring you to mind and I will pray for that. The reason I do that first is it would be very easy for me to go into prayer and tell God all the things I need. And it's not about me. I don't want to be selfish. I want to have that integrity and I want to have that humility to be able to have others first. And so I've done that for decades and it's, a, it's been a huge thing for me to help rewire my brain. This may come as a surprise to some of you, but not if you know me. I'm an ADD prayer. It's a struggle for me. I'll be, oh, look, a bird. That's me. And I'll be praying, and and the house will creak, or something will happen, or the dog will do something. And it is so easy for me to get off track. And sometimes I need to get off track because I need to pray for something else. More often than not, it's a problem with me, and I'm not focusing. And so, for me, the most basic thing for me in this whole process is training my mind to focus. Because focusing is a skill. So you don't need to say, I'm going to have two hours tomorrow morning with Jesus. You might start, you're not doing it at all. Start with five minutes. Start with two minutes. Do something. But during that time, focus. Meditate on the right things. Think about the right things. Pray about the right things. Because here's what happens. When my mind drifts, which it does often, I don't know about you, mine generally drifts to the lies. When my mind drifts, it usually goes to the wrong place and thinks about the wrong things. Oh, I can't do this. 
I'm never going to be able to do this. This won't happen for me. I know it happens for everybody else, but it won't happen for me. And I start to think of the negative and I start to think of the things that won't happen instead of the things that will happen and I have to stop and I have to say no. And you know what you do? You take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When your mind starts to wander, you say, nope, not doing that. And you capture that thought with truth. You make it obedient to Christ. This is training. Training implies it's not automatic. It's not going to happen instantly. It's going to happen over the rest of your life, just like it did for the Apostle Paul. We're training towards truth so that we can get our brains wired the right way and be grounded to the right thing. Let me apply this to last week and what we talked about last week. I told you what we did last week was it was going to matter. And this could really be a game changer for many of you. If you change your thinking, you could truly change your life because your thoughts matter so much. Remember last week we asked two questions. The first question was this, what stronghold is holding you back? What is that prison that you're in because of lies? Where are you a a hostage or a prisoner because of the wrong mindset? Because of a lie or because you're grounded to the wrong thing because the the, the wires are crossed. You have to identify where you have the wires crossed. You have to identify for you what that bad ground is. I've been thinking this for many decades and I realize that's not the truth because it it goes against what God's word says. So what does God's word say? I don't know what it is you're struggling with. It might be hard things, it might be simple things, but it's taking you off track like, I'm never going to get out of debt. If you go through life saying, I will never get out of debt, guess what? You'll never get out of debt. I can't trust anyone. Can you trust everyone? No. But if you go through life saying, I can't trust anyone, you won't have the relationships you want. You won't have the help and the encouragement you want. If you go through life saying, life is always bad for me. The truth is, you're just comparing yourself to the wrong people. Because you could find, you're comparing yourself to this top like 1% saying, my life is bad, it's always going to be bad for me. You're forgetting that there's a whole bunch of people that would die to have your life. Maybe you're just, I'm always going to struggle with this whatever it is. I'm always going to struggle with my weight. My family has always struggled with weight. I'm always going to struggle. When that becomes your mindset, it's truth. It's, it, it's not truth. It's a lie. But for you, it becomes your reality. Because you're listening to the wrong thing, you know? So what stronghold is holding you back? That's the first thing. The second question we wanted you to answer is, what truth demolishes that stronghold? Because you just can't say, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I don't know if you've ever tried that. Something you know you're not supposed to think about. Say, I'm not going to think about that, you know? Let's say it's this card. I'm not going to think about this card. I'm not going to think about this card. I am not thinking about this card. And we find we're thinking about it more now. Because the way to not think about it is not to stop thinking about it. It's what do I replace it with? I replace it with the truth. By the way, that's the way you get rid of most temptations too. Run from it, get distracted, think of something else, do something different. Make a different choice. Instead of trying to fight it all the time, make a better choice. Because you're replacing that with truth. 
So what we need to do is find that truth that demolishes the prison, the stronghold that we're in because of the things that we're thinking that are negative, that are holding us back. Um, and we say the positive things. If you're struggling with how you feel about yourself, it's, it's I am not what I have. I am not what I buy. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone. And that's the truth you have to get wired into your head. I can never do anything. I'm not going to change. I haven't all this time and it's not going to happen now. You say, by God's power, I can change because Christ in me is stronger than my desires. And you say that. You, you, you confess it. See, my God is for me, I can say. He is for me. He is with me. And He has given me all I need. And that's the truth. Whether I believe it or not, the more I say it, the more I believe it, the more it impacts in my life. So you identify what the lie is, you identify the truth, and then here, here's something that I believe that you need to do. You need to write it out. You, you can't just say, oh, that's, that's my stronghold, that's my truth, and go on your merry way. You need to write it out. This is just between you and God. You write it out and you think it. You confess it out loud. And you do that until you believe it. What you're doing is you're creating new neural pathways. You're, as the Bible would say, you're renewing your mind with the truth. And I understand there will be setbacks. There will be issues. There will be things that come up. There will be things that, because the enemy doesn't want you to think good things. The enemy doesn't want you to go the right direction. And so there will be a continual bombardment because of the setbacks. And, and when you get stressed, what you'll likely do is you revert back to what you were thinking before because you made that path pretty smooth over the years. And it's going to take a lot to change that. But you can change that by saying the truth. If you're worried all the time, all you're thinking about, I, this is not going to work, or this is going to happen, that's going to happen, you're worried all the time, you say something like, because of Christ... I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because He cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. That's God's truth. And when I say that, instead of saying, I'm worried, when I say the truth, my life will change because your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you don't know the choices to make, you're always making the wrong choice, you're always going the wrong direction, you say, I just don't know God's will for my life, I don't know how to find that, I don't know what to do in order to go that direction, then you just say to God, my life belongs to God. I seek Him daily. Daily He directs my steps. I know His voice and He leads me into His perfect will. You see the difference in saying that and I don't know what God's will is. Huge difference. Maybe you're one who lacks confidence. Maybe because of things that have been said over you for too long because the things that have been proclaimed over us have a huge impact on us as well. And you lack confidence because you've heard those things and instead what you need to hear is my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because His Spirit lives in me, I can do everything He calls me to do. And we need to rewire that into our brain. You write it, you think it, and you confess it. You confess it, you confess it until you believe it. It's not, we're not trying to get you to believe something that's not true. You already believe something that's not true. He's trying to get you to believe the truth. And here's what I know, without doubt. You'll start doing this and it will be silly. You'll do it and you'll go, 
that's stupid. That's not me. And you'll start saying the negative things again because you don't believe those things yet even though they're the truth. If God's for me, who can be against me? You know that's the truth because it's in God's word, but you say it and it's like, yeah, but it doesn't apply to me. Here's one way this works, that that I see it working out. Um, I had a professor in college who he taught missions. He was a missionary for many, many years in Hong Kong and mainland China. This is like way back in the, the 60s and 70s. It was, a, it was a huge deal back then until they closed the door there. And he knew that in order to be able to be an effective um, uh, proclaimer of the good news, he had to be with the people, he had to live with the people, he had to work with the people, he had to be able to speak their language. He couldn't go in and say, learn my language so I can tell you the truth. The problem was the language was Cantonese. And Cantonese is not a real easy language to learn. And he decided, I'm going to do this. And it was interesting. I had this conversation with him. He ended up, when he came back from China, he ended up being able to go all over the United States in seminars and teaching things and in schools, um, talking about and teaching Cantonese because nobody else could. And he said, Here's, here was the turning point for me. He said, I studied and I studied and I studied. He said, I'm not the most brilliant person. And he says, I just, I just kept doing it. I kept talking it. I kept writing it. I kept thinking it. I kept saying it. And he said, here's when I knew I knew it. And he said, it was like, it was like this revelation. He said, he said, one morning, I just started praying and I prayed in Cantonese. He said, I didn't have to think English, Cantonese, translate this word, say this. Now I say this. When they say something to me, I say, okay, that's the word you said. That means this. This means this. He didn't have to do that anymore. He had done it so much that he could think in Cantonese. He could pray in Cantonese. You know why? Because he did it over and over. He rewired his brain. I want to rewire my brain. Not... I almost said, I'm never going to know Cantonese. That would be negative. God's not calling me to know Cantonese. But he is calling me to rewire my brain and to meditate and think on the right things and believe the truth to be able to go the right direction. So I've read these for you many times before. I do this every single day. I came up with things that were my strongholds things that I struggled with because of the lies I told myself because of my past. And I wrote down my stuff and I said, uh, and I, I could have had a pretty long list, and I have a short list, and every once in a while I'll take one off and put another one on. But here's what I say every single day. And I'm going to read them, even though I've said them enough times, I could probably say them without reading them. I like reading them because I like looking at them and reinforcing it in my head. Jesus is my number one. I exist to fulfill his purposes in and through my life. I know him better and love him more every day. The first time I said that, I don't know how many years ago it was, the first time I said that, it wasn't really true about me. But it needed to be. And I can say now, I know him better and love him more every day. And I can say that, and there's a smile in my heart when I say that, because I know that it's the truth. He's my number one. The next thing I say is, Julie is my number two. I have to say the first one first because when I say to anybody else, Julie's my number two, they look at me kind of weird. Like, really? Yes, God's my number one. Julie's my number two. I love her as Christ loves the church and I will lay down my life to serve her. I say that every single day. I love people and believe the best about others. 
You know why I say that? I haven't always believed the best about people. It's easy to not believe the best about people. But I don't want to live that way. And so every day I say, I love people and I believe the best about people. That means when somebody comes to me with something, it's a struggle for me if what I'm hearing is negative because I want to believe the best. The the, the complete best may not always be true, but I've always gotten way farther by believing the best in people. The next one I say is I am not a people pleaser because I've struggled with that my whole life. I am not a people pleaser. I shouldn't say that. I used to struggle with that. Now, every day, I say, I am not a people pleaser because I answer to God first and seek to please Him. I live for an audience of one. Every day, I am accepted by God. That's been huge for me. That took a long time for me to be able to understand that it was truth when I said, I am accepted by God. And what He says about me is infinitely more important than what other people say about me. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. Did I always believe these things? Nope. But I knew they were truth. And I knew they were combating strongholds that I had. And so every single day, I say those things. I do that every single day. Do you know why I have done that for years every single day? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's why. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. You meditate on truth. Train your mind towards truth so that you can uncross the wires and be grounded to the right thing. You write it, think it, confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it until you believe it. So I want to help you to be able to do this. I want you to be able to have, I call them my gut talk declarations because that's where I want this to come from. This is truth for me. I want you to have that too. And so what we've done is we've compiled some gut talk declarations. Actually, six pages of them. Under many different headings. Some have Bible verses next to them. They all come from the truth of God's word. Some just have a verse you might want to look up. But they all come from the truth of God's word. And what what I believe is you can go through this list, six pages of them. You can go through this and it can help you identify what the lie is because you'll see the truth and you'll go, that's not me. Because that's probably the one you need to be dealing with. So you identify the lie, then you identify the truth that can demolish that stronghold. So here's what we've done. When you go to iloveourchurch.com or journeyinourchurch.com, you scroll down and there's a thing that says online sermons. And you click on that, and it takes you to a sermon page, um, sermon.church slash journey north or something like that. But it'll take you, if you have a smartphone, how many have smartphones? Can you see? Okay, good, most of you. Um, If you have a smartphone, um, it will even have a little thing that you can click, and it makes what is kind of like an app. So it puts something on your homepage that you can just click on that and go to the sermons so that you can listen to the sermons if you want. It also has a link for each sermon to the notes. So what I will do when this sermon goes up online later today, um, I don't have to worry about any football games because I just don't have to worry about that today. So I can... Uh, by the way, for those of you to the east of us, good luck today. That's, I'm going to be nice about that. And we'll just go with that. Um, but when this goes up later today, here's what will happen. You'll go to today's sermon, which is part two of You Think, And you'll see that it has a link that you can click on to download or listen to the sermon. And then it'll have a link for the notes. 
And the notes, the first page of the notes will be the notes that you see in your worship folder. The next six pages, it's a PDF, so you can look at it on any document. You can look at it on your computer. You can look at it on your phone. You can print it out. You can do whatever you want with it. It has those six pages of those gut talk declarations. And I want you to go through those. I don't want you to come up with 200 things to say because you'll never do that. Just come up with a few of them. Even if you only come up with one because you know there's one thing that needs changed right now, come up with that one. You can add to it later. You can print that list off. You can use, it has categories like for, for um, uh, relationships. It has categories for, for men, categories for women. It has categories for just about everything. You can look at and come up with some declarations for yourself because I know that this can change who you are. Because um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we want you thinking and saying and believing the right things. So I know that there's some of you, I know that there's some of you, you walk with Jesus, you know him, but you struggle with issues. You struggle with things that you don't seem to get beyond. You can by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. You can do that. I know there's some of you here, you're still checking the truth out here at Journey North Church. You're still checking this Jesus thing out. And you thought you were coming to just a regular church and you find out this isn't like a regular church. It's like, no, because we're all a bunch of broken, screwed up people. But we're getting better. That's what Jesus does. And so maybe you've never come to faith in Jesus. You still see the church thing or the religious thing. And what you need is a relationship with a Jesus who the power that raised him from the dead can live in you and help you change on a daily basis. And what you need to do is say, Jesus, I don't understand that, but I want it. I believe you died for me. You came and lived a sinless life and died for me, and I believe that. And I believe it when it says, if I receive you and accept you, you will come into my heart and life. You'll be my savior. And that power will help me to be able to change my life. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, I know there's people who they haven't made that first commitment to you yet. They're still checking things out. And I pray that today in simple faith, that they would say, Jesus, I may not understand all this, but I... I, I choose to believe, and today I receive you. I believe that what you did was for me, and I receive that, that you paid the price for my sin. Thank you. I ask, Father, that all of those here listening to this who have already taken that step of faith, they stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, that we would be able to live lives of victory and celebration because we proclaim the truth. That like Paul from a prison cell, we don't have to say, woe is me all the time. We can say, God is doing great things. Because he's changing our minds, he's renewing our minds, he's changing our lives because of that. Thank you, Father, for the the power and the truth of your word. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Wouldn't you like to have the chains broke, the prison bars knocked down? That can happen. I have, in case, in case you, you might have a smartphone, but you can't see text that small, we have a few of these printed in the back um, at that welcome desk. So if, if you're not going to look at it on your phone, but you want to have a copy of it, you can grab one of these on the way out. If I need to, I'll make more. 
I want you to be able to change the way you think because that will move your life in the right direction. I want you to be able to stop thinking of the wrong things and focusing on the wrong things and focus on the truth that God tells you because you are not what everybody says you are. You are who God says you are. And that's the important thing. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word and how it can change our lives. And my prayer is that whatever you are asking of us today, that we would not walk out and forget it. But whatever you're asking of us today, our response to you would be yes. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget, if you're a member, you can start today signing up in that room.